Pass First Point Guard and Blazer Beat Writer Mike Richmond, and you are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode, we are talking about the greatest team in Trail Blazers history all across the Locked On Podcast Network. Every show this week is looking at the best team in their franchise's history, so that means we're talking the best team in Blazers franchise history. Maybe in other corners of the NBA world, there is debate over who the best team in franchise history is. But I think here in the Pacific Northwest, in Pinwheel Land, in Rip City, there's only one team. You know who it is. Let's not even wait. I've already wasted a minute of your time with preamble. No more preamble. The greatest team in Trailblazers history is the 1976-1977 NBA champion... Portland Trailblazers. It's it's an obvious one. Uh, if you listen to the Mailbag Monday episode, I kind of tease that uh, if you are a fan of this team, that you already knew who the best team in franchise history was, so you knew what was coming later this week. So instead of putting using this first segment to debate why this team is the best. I'm just going to state it outright. This is the best team in franchise history. I don't think it's particularly close. But I did think of other contenders. And what I want to do in this first segment is talk about the other contenders, the other teams that could have been considered. They weren't really earnestly considered, and um, there's only one spirit of 77. There's only one team that really, uh, you know, when you're a one-championship franchise, it's it's obvious the Blazers have been very good for most of their uh, for most of their existence. They've been a playoff team uh, more often than they haven't, but they haven't they haven't got many trophies. In fact, they have one Larry O'Brien Trophy that came this year. But who are the other contenders? If we were to make a list, if we were to turn this into a real debate, who else would have been there? Well. Let's start with the obvious ones that I consider. The first is the 91-92 team that went 57-35 and and lost to Michael Jordan's Bulls in the finals. For my money, that team is better than the 89-90 team that went 59-23 and and lost to Isaiah Thomas' Pistons in the finals, but you could make a case either way. I think 91-92 is better because I think adding Danny Ainge made them better. I think having Cliff Robinson uh, be a third-year player, not a not a rookie was made their their bench depth a little bit better. Um, you know, Clyde was older, so he wasn't. He was probably at the, closer to the height of his powers during that eighty nine ninety season, but he wasn't much worse. He hadn't his skills really hadn't deteriorated that much in ninety one ninety two. He was still the second best shooting guard in the league. I'd say ninety one ninety two is your second best team in, in franchise history. Eighty nine ninety, not too far behind them. The other one that has to come up there, probably the other two, but I think there's really we think about one more than the other. The ninety nine two thousand team, they went fifty nine twenty three and lost to the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. That team's a championship team. They're a fourth quarter away from beating the Pacers in the championship. Uh, I don't think that Pacer team could have beaten that that 2000s Blazer team. They were just too good. They were a veteran group with real depth. Um, they were big and long. They had versatile defenders. That was a really, really good team. Pretty clearly the second best team in the NBA. Um, and like I said, 
one quarter, a fourth quarter, 15-point fourth quarter collapse, you know it, I'm not going to revisit it too much, away from being an NBA champion. I, I truly believe that. I think kind of lost in the great teams, though. So I think those are the clear three that are a, a tier below. The 76-77 team is the best team in franchise history, and I think those three are the tier below. I think the sort of lost in the like truly, really special Blazer teams, just because it was a weird year, is that 98-99 team. That was the lockout year when they only played 50 games. Uh, that team went 35-15 and 15 and made the Western Conference Finals. They lost to a Spurs team that had just beaten the Lakers in the previous round of the playoffs. The Lakers, of course, were... They, they actually got swept by the, that Spurs team, and they won the next three NBA titles following the Spurs win in 99. And the Blazers lost to the Spurs in the Western Conference Finals. That's the Duncan, Tim Robbins... Uh, Tim Duncan, David Robinson, Spurs, uh, that won a championship. It's, uh, they were really, the Blazers were really good in, in the 98-99 year, too. That that back-to-back run from 98 to 2000, um, that was a really special team. It's unfortunate that they ran into, uh, you know, generational squads in the 2000 Lakers and the beginning of a Spurs dynasty. Um, the Spurs didn't really take shape until about 2003, but this was the beginning of Duncan's um, dominance in the Western Conference. I think a tier below that, a tier below this group, is the 90-91 team. They won 63 games and lost to the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, You know, this is in between the two championship years. This is arguably the best regular season that the Blazers have ever had. Uh, You know, they just lost to to a really good Lakers team, sort of an aging aging Lakers group that eventually would lose to Jordan, but a really good Lakers team that had been right there in the past. Kind of the end of this Lakers run, the end of that sort of magic-worthy group, but still a very good team. And I think 90-91 is, 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 a, is a bummer year because they this is a, a chance for the Blazers to go to three straight NBA Finals. And I think you really appreciate that team if they win three consecutive Western Conference crowns a little bit different. Not that really anyone in this market in Portland, assuming you're listening in Portland, but if it, Blazer fandom, no one's underselling that team. The, the step beyond sort of those five, I think, is pretty dramatic. One thing that I considered while making this list was that last year's team, the 2018-19 Blazers, almost certainly is one of the 10 best teams in the history of the franchise. Maybe not just outright talent-wise, although I think they're in the running for outright talent-wise because of how good Dame was and how good Yusuf Nurkic was and how good complementary parts were. Like, CJ McCollum as your third-best player is a really nice third-best player. Uh, the depth with Rodney Hood and Ennis Cantor and Seth Curry off the bench uh, is 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 really special. A young Zach Collins, who I think we'll end up looking back on and say, wow, I can't believe he was on that, you know, a bench player or even like the third center on that 2018-19 team. They made a real, you know, they, they put together a dominant performance in, in the opening round of the playoffs. They won a game seven on the road to reach the Western Conference Finals, and they lost to a Warriors team that was eventually going to have too many injuries to overcome, but the Warriors team on the end of one of the great five-year runs in the history of the league. Other teams on this list, 2013-14, when the Blazers won 54 games. This is the Dame .9 shot against the Rockets. I actually think the Blazers were better the following year, 2014-15, but by the time they got to the playoffs... They had lost Wes Matthews. They were Aaron Aflalo got hurt. Uh, they weren't as good at their prime. So I think that run from 2013 to 2015. I think that's a, that's an all time 
great two-year run from this franchise. Also, they just they they were so bad in the 2015 playoffs that I have trouble including them there. But I think they definitely deserve to be to be mentioned uh, among there. They lost that team after beating the Rockets, lost to uh, the Spurs in the second round. The Spurs, of course, had kind of choked away an NBA title in 2013 and went on to win in 2014, lost to the eventual champion Spurs that year. Last two on my list, 77-78. This is the year after the title. They went, they go, they start 50 and 10 before Bill Walton gets hurt. They finish 58 and 24. They eight and 14 down the stretch after Walton gets injured. They ended up losing to uh, the Sonics in the opening round of the playoffs. Though the Sonics would go on, that Sonics team would go on to two consecutive NBA Finals. They lost in 78 and then won in 79. That was a really, really good Seattle team. Uh, the other team that I don't think deserve, like isn't among sort of the best in franchise history, but one that I'll really always remember is that 2008-2009 Brandon Roy team. It's when B-Roy was second team All-NBA. Um, they ended up losing to, the, to a, a very good Suns team in the playoffs, but... Uh, I'm not sure that's this is the same caliber as the other teams I've mentioned. Um, they certainly aren't there in terms of, of, of sort of like accomplishments, but just in terms of talent, I think this this team belongs in that conversation. And just uh, in my heart, I really love that 0809 team, so they get a mention here. So those are the lists. Those are the other contenders. But I think it's clear that the 1976-77 championship team is the best Blazer team in the history of the franchise. So what I want to do in the second segment is talk about what made them so good. But before we dissect what made that team so good, I want to tell y'all about my bookie. Sports have come to a screeching halt with basketball bench and pitchers off the mound, but our friends at my bookie aren't going to let it get you down. Stay sane and stay entertained with access to your favorite games like blackjack, roulette, slots, war, and more. The fun doesn't have to come to an end with my bookie. Video poker's not your thing, but still need a fix? They've got you covered with a host of live casino dealers online. That's right. They have professional dealers at their tables, live on site, 24-7. Favorite squad sideline because of the pandemic? Don't even sweat it. My bookie has partnered with some of the leading esports brands to bring you wagers on virtual action, straight from the court in NBA 2K. Plus, you can even make wagers on the shifting odds of political bets. You can trust the industry leaders in times like these. They're reliable, upright, and best of all, they pay fast when you win. So, visit mybookie.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA for a 150% bonus on your first casino deposit. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA to receive 150% cash on your first deposit, and you can claim those extra funds all the way up to $750. Use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. That's promo code locked on NBA. You spin, you win, you get paid. All right. We're talking 1977 Portland Trailblazers, the greatest team in franchise history. In the first segment, I broke down the other contenders, teams that deserve to be mentioned among this team, but there is no team that was this good. So what I want to do in this second segment is try to answer the simple question, what made them so good? Why was this team so special? And the basics are the headlines. And you know the headlines. Bill Walton was fantastic. He led the league in block shots and rebounds this year. But really what the key to this team, the key to this sort of whole interesting season, is that the ABA had finally disbanded. 
which mean that which meant that the NBA was going to expand to 22 teams and the uh, ABA teams that did not come over in the merger split up their players across the league, which meant that Maurice Lucas, who was the best power forward in the ABA, joined a Blazer team that was decent and turned them into excellent. Lucas had been with the St. Louis Spirits in the ABA, but he wasn't the only Blazer that came over in the, in the merger. Dave Twardzik, who had been a member of the Virginia Squires, uh, joined the Blazers too. But Mo Lucas was the big one. Twardzik was really good and ended up being a starter on the squad, but Mo Luke led the, led the team in scoring. He averaged 20.2 points per game and 10 boards, which complemented Walton, who was averaging 18.6 and 14.4 rebounds this year. But it was more than just those two. Those two made them special. This is why this team was so good, because they got the best power forward in the ABA and the one of the great college basketball players of the last, of the basically since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in, in Walton. And he was coming into his own, and he was about to go for a two-year run when he was at his absolute peak. But the reason this team was so good was because of their balance. They had not just those two guys, but six players averaging double figures. Second-year guard Lionel Hollins averaged 14.7 and four assists a game. Bob Gross averaged 11, four, and three, or basically 11, five, and three. Twardzik, as I mentioned, averaged 10 points. And Larry Steele came off the bench and was really good, averaging over 10 points per game. This was just a really special group. Holland's at point guard, Twardzik at two, Bob Gross at the three, Luke, Lucas at the four, and Bill Walton in the center. at center. They they had balance up and down, though. It wasn't just those guys. Herm Gilliam, Johnny Davis, Lloyd Neal, Corky Calhoun, uh, Robin Jones. This, this team really, really had depth, and that's what made them so special. Uh, but they also had the right coach. It was first-year coach Jack Ramsey, who had come over from the Buffalo Braves and briefly the Philadelphia 76ers, but his first year in Portland was his best. Uh, I think prior to this, Ramsey really was known for being the, just an incredible college coach for a decade with St. Joseph's. I mean, that's that was what his claim to fame at this point, but he was the perfect coach for this team. He was sort of the, like you know, the thinking man's coach or the, or the super strict strategist of the time. Uh, Ramsey made this group work because he had really Walton in the middle to make this special and and athletes on the wings to, to get out and run like he wanted to run. According to Basketball Reference, they had the second best offense in the league during the regular season and the fifth best defense. But Walton missed 17 games during the year and the Blazers went 5-12 and 12 without him. For all their depth, And for as good as Mo Lucas was, during the regular season, they needed Walton to be special. This would be a trend with this team. They were really good, but if they didn't have Big Red in the middle, they weren't nearly as good. The Blazers finished 49-33 and this year, third in the West, behind the top-seeded Los Angeles Lakers and the ABA migrant Denver Nuggets. Uh... In addition to the expansion of the league this year, the playoffs also expanded. So instead of five teams from each conference, you got six. Uh, this just made the field a little bit tougher. It also kind of guaranteed that the Blazers at 49 and 33 would have gotten in. They would have gotten in under the old format, but it would have been a little bit different. I got a little sidetracked there. What I meant to mention was that the Blazers were 49 and 33, but they were 44 and 21 with Walton. That's a 54 win pace. That was the that would have been the most wins in the league this year. They were kind of secretly very, very, very good, but their playoff seeding didn't necessarily suggest it, which meant that 
they had a tougher road through the playoffs. But with their depth and with their stars, they got there. So that's what I want to talk about in the third segment. I want to highlight the special run of the 1977 playoffs because I think it highlights why this team is so good. There is, There are just moments that you, we can key on and point to and it illustrates perfectly what made this team so special and why they are so clearly the best team in franchise history. It's not just that they ended with the championship and they ended with the trophy. It's how they got there that shows you why this team was special. So that's what we'll do in the third segment. Run through the 1977 playoffs and remember what made this team so special and helped launch Blazer Mania in the 1970s, summer of 1977 in Portland. Okay, we're still talking the 1976-77 Trailblazers, the greatest team in franchise history. We talked about other contenders for this crown, even though there's really only one, and we talked about the Blazers' incredible depth. Obviously, their two front court stars powered this team, but what made this team so special was that they had depth. They had a a list a long list of contributors that could show up so many championship teams so many championship runs are sort of defined by role players and this 77 team is no different playoff run started against the then western conference chicago bulls which the blazers dispatched in three games the bulls had artist gilmore an aba monster who had come over and kind of uh push chicago to another level but this was the beginning of what of an illustration of what was going to make the Blazers so special. All five Blazers starters in this series against the Chicago Bulls averaged double figures. Maurice Lucas re- led the way with 22-7-6. Walton 17-12, four assists and four blocks. Just a monster opening round for Walton. Twardzik had 17-3. and three. Bobby, Bobby Gross, 16-5-5 five five with almost three steals. Lionel Holland, 16, almost seven assists and three steals. This was, this was the Blazers' balance, and it, was the, and it was this type of contribution from the non-Waltons, non-Maurice Lucases that was going to push them further. So they get out of the first round, 2-1 over the Chicago Bulls, and they face the Denver Nuggets. This was the team that finished uh, second in the West, the Nuggets, of course, had come over in the ABA merger. Again, this is sort of the defining characteristic of this season was that the NBA had expanded, the talent pool had expanded, and there were more good teams. The Nuggets were an example of that. The Blazers go on to win this series 4-2 in six games. But I think the sort of the moment that 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 sort of defines this team and why they were so good is that Dave Towards it gets hurt. And Jack Ramsey inserts rookie Johnny Davis into the game in game six to close out the Nuggets. Uh, There's a great moment in Breaks of the Game, the greatest basketball book ever written, probably the greatest sports book ever written that follows the 1978 Blazers, that apparently Ramsey is thinking about starting Larry Steele, and he's he's having this big internal debate, and he goes, instead he chooses Davis, and of course Johnny Davis has 25 in game six as the Blazers close out the Nuggets. Ramsey looks like a genius, and the Blazers move on because... Lucas and Walton were still killing it, but their depth proved to be so special. And then, and and that game six, I think, is really highlights just what this whole sort of section is going to be about. Is this whole this whole segment is going to be about is is the Blazers' just impressive depth. So they get to the Western Conference Finals and they're facing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and the Lakers. Kareem, of course, uh, was the sort of 
UCLA star that preceded Duncan or preceded Walton at UCLA. He was, uh, you know, the NBA and the college game basically had to change around how good Kareem was. He is at this point the preeminent star of the league. And the Blazers come in and sweep the Lakers in four games. But again, this 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 series really changes in game two. Uh, the the Blazers had rolled in game one, but it's things are close in game two in Los Angeles, and Herm Gilliam steps in off the bench. Uh, and has 14 of his 24 in the fourth quarter to lead the Blazers to a crucial Game 2 win over the Lakers. This was kind of the tone setter for the for the series. Walton and Kareem had been having these great battles. Walton is winning. The, the Lakers don't have an answer for Maurice Lucas, but they need more scoring. And role players steps up. Herm Gilliam, 14 of his 24, 20 in the second half. Blazers win Game 2. They go on to sweep the Lakers and make the NBA Finals. Now, I kind of think the 1977 NBA Finals deserve their own 17-part podcast or docu-series with uh, all the figures weighing in, but I'll try to give it to you here quickly to close out the show. First of all, the ABA had, had changed the Sixers. They hadn't just landed Dr. J, the best scorer in the American Basketball Association who came over, but also George McGinnis, a, a very, very good player in the ABA who came over to the Sixers. Uh, Julius Irving was the star of the ABA, and all of a sudden this Sixers team is loaded. Uh, they had the best record in the NBA during the regular season, and they've got home court advantage, and the Blazers go into Philly in Game 1, and Dr. J throws down a windmill dunk off the opening tip. The Blazers commit 34 turnovers, and Philly rolls. In game two, things don't go much better. The, the Sixers are in control the whole time. They end up winning the game by 18. But in the final five minutes of game two, the series shifts. The Blazers' uh, toughness, testiness comes out. First, Lloyd Neal and George McGinnis kind of square off, shoving match. Then Maurice Lucas and Julius Serving trade elbows, kind of just pushing, shoving, general sort of like we're getting blown out at the end of the game. But finally, there's a rebound. And Daryl Dawkins, Chocolate Thunder himself, and Bobby Gross are fighting over rebounds, kind of like the tug-of-war, my ball, your ball type of thing. And uh, Gross kind of gets in Dawkins' face, and Daryl Dawkins throws a punch. Like a big punch, like a punch you don't see in the NBA nowadays, like a real swinging punch. And Gross ducks, <laughs> and Daryl Dawkins punches his own teammate, Doug Collins, who's kind of holding uh, Bobby Gross at the time. And then Lucas comes over and slaps Dawkins and kind of slap punches him in the back of the head. And then that's when the chaos starts. The bench is clear. The There's fans out on the court. There's The coaches are out on the court. The security guards, there's officials. Uh, you know, Jack Ramsey is even uh, getting into people's faces and screaming. And um, finally things calm down. Maurice Lucas and Daryl Dawkins get ejected. They get fined, I think it was $2,500, which hilariously is about the fine you get for getting a technical foul in the NBA now in 2020. So 2500 bucks in 1977 was a hefty fine. And this was, Doug Collins needed four stitches. Uh, and and Philly goes on to win. They're up 2-0. They're heading down to Portland. And, they're heading back to Portland in complete control. And this seems like it's going to be beef. When Mo Lucas walks over to the Philly bench, this is again from uh, 
uh, breaks of the game, the greatest sports book ever written. Uh, Mo Lucas walks over to the bench to start start a game three before tip-off, and you think there's about to be a brawl. It's a Sunday afternoon game, and and, uh, you think there's about to be this beef, and then he sticks out his hand and offers a peaceful handshake to Daryl Dawkins. And sort of the legend goes, I guess the narrative builds itself, but the legend goes that that shook up the Sixers because uh, the Blazers just rolled in this game. They win by 22. Mo Luke has 27 and 12. Walton has 20 points, 18 rebounds, and 9 assists. Twardzik, who had been hurt in that Denver series, comes back. Uh, the Blazers scored 42 in the fourth quarter in that game, and they're, now they're down 2-1. Game four, Blazers have to win it. They'll be down 3-1. Uh, they get a big early lead, and it, it extends even to 41 points while Bill Walton is on the bench with after picking up a fifth foul in the third quarter. In that game, Lionel Hollins has 25. Maurice Lucas has 24. The Blazers' depth is winning. They're dominating games when or dominating a game when Bill Walton is on the bench, something they hadn't done during the regular season and something that they wouldn't be able to do uh, moving forward as a franchise. This was a huge win in Game 4. Game 5, back in Philly. Blazers have lost the first two games in Philadelphia. And it turns out a monster third quarter. Bob Gross had 25 points. Walton went nuts. 24 rebounds. He had 14 points. And Walton held Philly center Caldwell Jones scoreless. Caldwell Jones was a baller. This was a loaded Philly squad, and Walton holds him scoreless, a dominant game. Blazers now have a 3-2 series lead and are coming back to Portland to close out the series. And they look like they're going to roll up 19 early in the game, but Philly comes charging back. Sixers pull within 107-109 and have three shots in the final 20 seconds including an inbounds play with five seconds left. They get the ball to George McGinnis. Maurice Lucas contests. McGinnis off the mark. Blazers win the championship. Blazers mania, which had been sort of brewing in Portland all during this run, is officially born when mayhem breaks out of the Memorial Coliseum. There's people all over the court, people climbing on the rim. Bill Walton throws his jersey into the crowd. Uh... The there's like fans in the locker room after the game. It's just a, an absolutely chaotic scene, something that you would not see, obviously, now some 40 years later. But I think this scene and this series and this playoff run, it's, it's proof that this was the best team in franchise history. This was Walton at near the height of his powers. He would go on to win finals MVP after averaging 18.5 points, 19 rebounds, 5.2 assists, a steal, and 3.7 blocks across six games. Maurice Lucas averaged 19 and 10. Bobby Gross, 17, 5 and 3. Lionel Holland, 16. Johnny Davis, 10, 3 and 5. That's another five guys averaging double figures in the NBA Finals. With two others, Lloyd Neal and Dave Twardzik averaging nearly seven a game. Lloyd Neal, six six points, six rebounds in six games. This was this is the best team in, in franchise history, not because not just because they won the, the title. Now there would be a stronger debate if if uh 
if this team doesn't win the championship, and this is a this is you're kind of measuring up against the Clyde Drexler, Terry Porter teams of the '90s. Whether you know which team that lost the championship is better. I think that the trophy and all that uh, ends the debate. Kind of throws it all out the window pretty quickly. But this is the best team in franchise history because of the depth, because of the absolute star power. I don't think I've said this a bunch, but I don't think as good as Drexler was and as good as Damian Lillard is. I don't think they've reached in terms of uh, like comparative dominance what Bill Walton was during this stretch of seventy from basically nineteen seventy six to nineteen seventy eight. Blazers are going to open up 50, 50 and ten in the seventy seven seventy eight season, and Walton wins the MVP. Um, his career basically ended when he injured his foot. He he missed the following two years, and you, you know the sad story. I don't need to get into it, but for for this brief period, he's the best player in the NBA. I don't think Drexler or Lillard can lay claim to be to being that. I don't know that the Blazers have had a second star as good as Maurice Lucas. And, and as good as Terry Porter was, I don't think he was Maurice Lucas. As good as CJ McCollum is, he isn't anywhere close to Maurice Lucas. Even when it was uh, Dame and Lamarcus Aldridge, I don't think either of them necessarily measured up to the duo of Walton and Lucas. And I don't think many teams have had the depth that this team has. Obviously, they're a little more revered here. Basically, everyone on this team has their jersey in the rafters. Um, they're, it's it's kind of a joke in other NBA circles how sort of overrated the 77 team is. But I don't think... I think with a little bit different health history, this is a team that makes, you know, three or four finals. If Walton is healthy, the... By the time he gets right again, he wins NBA Sixth Man of the Year during the 85-86 season, I believe it is. But if Walton doesn't have these years taken from him, if he doesn't miss the 78-79 season and then demand a trade to the Clippers, uh, he didn't demand a trade to Clippers, but demand a trade, period. If he doesn't do that and then miss the 81 season and then miss the 82 season and kind of have to rediscover himself in the early 80s after basically playing 14 games in four years. I th- and if he spends that time healthy and with the Blazers, I-, I think this team is considered one of the great teams in NBA history, not just in Blazers history. I think they were that good. I think Lucas would have made the Blazers that good. You know, Walton is a two-time All-Star those 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 two years, but the this Blazer team would have been their legacy would have been changed so much they wouldn't be considered they wouldn't the overrated tag they wouldn't get and this wouldn't be this wouldn't be the best team in in franchise history without a doubt this would be is this one of the five greatest teams of you know of the 80s this is one of the five greatest teams of from post ABA merger until uh you know Michael Jordan gets on the scene in 84 you know this this would have been a stretch for five or six years where we're talking about it, we're talking all-time greats we don't have that Walton's health didn't allow it. The Blazers, for as good as their depth and as special as their depth was, it's hard to replace an MVP. I think that's just a kind of a universal basketball thing. So I think this is the best team in Blazer history. And I don't think it's close. I think it was made even more special by the fact that they were the third seed in the West, that they had to go through Kareem, that they played this all-time stacked Philly team. Dr. J and... Doug Collins, who was a number one overall pick, and McGinnis, who was a monster, and this is and 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 you know Chocolate Thunder, your boy Daryl Dawkins. This this was a a team that sort of becomes so hallowed because of how it all went down, 
but they deserve the title. This is the best team in franchise history, the best team to ever wear a Portland Trailblazers uniform. So this is the first of a couple episodes I'm going to do on best team in franchise history. Like I said, across the Locked On Podcast Network, every uh, Locked On show in the NBA is doing best team in franchise history. So you can click around, you can find these. um, If you want to see other teams who are the best of all time, compare them to the 77 Blazer team. I'm going to come back later in the week with another episode talking more about this team. I won't spoil the content, but I've got some fun ideas. I'm excited about it more to come. This is a little be less recapping about what makes them so special and more little anecdotes about what, uh, why this team was so enjoyable and so good. So what a great time to get on board with Locked On Podcast Network. What a great time to get on board with Locked On Blazers. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked On Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.